me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome back to the Elemental Health Podcast. I am your host, Nick Quinton, and I'm really excited to have you back. It's been a little bit of a hiatus um, given the, the pandemic and, and my uh, decision to jump back on uh, back on a frontline ambulance to do some help and, and try and kind of get back into the fold, which is kind of my nature, I guess, um, g- given my background as well. So um, I spent a bit of time in sort of clinical practice and interesting takeaways which i think i'll condense down into another podcast where it's just me chatting about what, what what's happened and, and what it's like um kind of in the front line and and, and um what, what the pandemic has meant for me but um today's episode we have an amazing guest this week and someone i connected with through uh, another uh, podcast guest um, so it's a real kind of interweb networking <laughs> association going on in in the, in the kind of podcasting space so that that's phenomenal really lovely to to experience and and uh, kind of enrich my life and, and hopefully yours as well through bringing you the messages and the value that um that my guests have got um and that's that's happened really synergistically and that's a word we use a lot in this podcast because um today i have got uh, the amazing Edward Troyce, um, who is a coach living uh, living out in the States and really kind of uh, spent a lot of time putting a lot of thought into how he's developed as a human, uh, his movement practice, um, and, you know, overcome some, some pretty huge challenges in terms of um, his physical health, physical fitness, um, injuries, and uh, developed into a kind of an incredibly well-rounded individual, human, um, and coach as well. And and his his methodology, his kind of four steps to to being uh, a health a holistic uh, coach that really understands the facets that are required to develop true health. Um, and we dive really deeply into that and we have a really amazing conversation. Um, and, you know, he's, he's kind of brought some amazing insight into my life as well. So you, you kind of, you never really stop learning. And, and, and that's the journey for me in this podcast as well as asking really interesting questions and, and meeting interesting people and, and challenging myself as well, my beliefs and, and constantly trying to understand um, what's next, what's out there, what's, what, you know, what, what, what can I be knowing more about? Guys, without further ado, um, let's jump in on this podcast. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast, um, Edward Troyce. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. Thank you One very much. <laughs> Thank you very much for jumping on. Um, I've been following you for a little while on on social media, and, and uh, I think we've got a mutual connection in, in Jeff Shubb, um, who I've had on the podcast twice now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, awesome. And I'm I'm really keen to unpick the work that you're doing, what you're finding important in the world, and, and kind of your mission at the moment. So um, let's you know let's start off with kind of uh, what's important to you right now, and and kind of your journey to where you are. So what's important to me currently is really shifting my mindset from a place of self desire, like chasing my own desires versus really being in service to others. Um, That's been the main transition in having my son over the past 15 months. So that's really what's important to me is just basing my ethics and my actions around service 
um, as opposed to my own wanting of something. So what's best for all of us, particularly my family. So um, that's what's important to me. Um, the story, though, that has gotten me to this point is uh, it's a long one. It's a pretty crazy one. Uh, I've been many different people so far, it seems. And uh, I think that's an important part of growing in life, being able to say we were this person or that person and learning from it, accumulating that wisdom and moving on from it. So that's been really the main driver in my life since I was 13. Um, I grew up pretty overweight and I was experiencing diabetic symptoms, but I wasn't actually diagnosed. So I used to have these massive Aunt Jemima pancake breakfasts, like go into gym class first period and I couldn't see straight. And I had these dizzy spells. I'd have this heat that would just like erupt up my shoulder into my brain um, and, and just some really intense experiences. And so when I was 13, I got to a point where I wanted to start getting myself in shape and I went for one run and one run and one night completely changed my life. So I finally, I was 13 at the time, had nothing but anxiety up until that point in my life, nothing but stress and fear and pain um, as a young child. And that, that moment was just so clear to me where I was like, wow, I actually have a say in these feelings. I have a say in this experience, right? I have control um, because up until that point, I felt like I had none. And that got me hooked. I got so hooked on running. Uh, within like a month or two, all those symptoms went away. I was in the best shape of my life at that point. Um, I started eliminating stuff that people maybe don't even think about until they're in their 30s when it comes to food at, at 13 years old. I started cooking for myself. I started doing all these things, these you know, real foundational self-care habits. Started building from a young age and you know, I was naive and so I fell into a lot of traps. Um, along the way, I, I definitely experienced that like extremist yo-yo dieting kind of mindset. Um, one extreme to the next where, um, you know, I was anorexic for a moment with those tendencies. And then I was gorging myself as a bodybuilder in my teens, you know, so I fluctuated, uh, in one year, a hundred pounds from wow. dieting and bulking. So just really extreme, but it was, it was really just because of how extreme my life was. It was extremely toxic. And so that was just a reflection of it. Um, so by the time I was 19, I had been training for so 14 to 19, about five years with the intention of being a competitive bodybuilder on the like professional stage. So the steroid using stage. So young age, I was experimenting with that stuff as well, because that's what the mainstream shows us. That's, that's what the, you know, when someone first explores fitness, it, it's hard to find the good stuff because you got to you gotta dig for it. So I got caught up in that trap and uh, that wound up really messing my body up for a good year. But I think fortunately, because I was so young when I did it, I bounced back pretty resiliently. And it was for a short period of time, like right at the end, right as everything was crumbling down. Um, that was when I went super extreme and that led to a severe injury, which I dropped a 400 pound barbell on my left leg in a deadlifting accident. And so that crushed my quadriceps. It tore two centimeters off the tendon and I was basically left unable to walk normally. So 
I had this whole identity wrapped up in the bodybuilding and that got crushed, like in a split second, got crushed two weeks before my first competition that I was working all this time for. So that moment in time was really the pivotal moment of my health journey. That was where I realized, although I was pursuing what seemed like health and fitness, what was actually happening to me was clear that it was still unhealthy and very toxic. And so I was, I was like, okay, what's the deeper component to this? Because I can't lift heavy anymore. Every single step that I take, I have to think about my left foot. Um, and that wound up leading to about five years of severe compensation problems. So that's been a huge healing journey for me with the fitness. Um, but yeah, so at 19, I had my life flipped upside down with that. Um, there was a lot of other crazy fam uh, like family-related stuff at that time as well. So life was just really crazy for me. And I eventually had to stop training. You know, I, I tried to push my limits with my bum leg, basically. And that just was clear, like pain every day, pain every day. Every workout, I leave the gym and just complete pain. And so one day I left and for the first time in my life, I, I honestly like asked for help. Um, I called out for help because I realized that I was really hurting myself. And that led down, you know, some dark experiences with partying and, uh, you know, the New York City club scene and, and the craziness that comes with city nightlife. I grew up right outside New York City. You could probably relate in London. Yeah. And so, uh, um, you know, I, I got into that scene and that kind of brought me out of my body. So I was in so much pain from all the, the training and the injuries and I played sports my whole life growing up, you know. I needed to escape. I needed an escape. And so in those few years where I wasn't really training my body, what wound up happening was I, I shifted into more of like a mental and emotional healing place where I couldn't use my body in, in the ways that I thought I used to be able to. And so I needed something else. And so that really shifted my energy. And so I started getting really creative and I started making some house music and, and going to the, the music production school and stuff. And I've, I found myself, but in a, in a new way, basically. And that eventually led to be the thing that brought me back into my body, which now has everything integrated because I, I went so deep into my body in my teen years and then that rejected me out of it. Then I took a deep dive to balance it out. And now I've come back basically with mental, physical and emotional intelligence from a lot of trauma and a lot of pain that I think a lot of people probably share uh, at least some points of the story with it. And so uh, my whole, the way that I interact with people is really just a way to understand their story better. And in a way that, uh, you know, we could pick and, and be able to actually move past these points of trauma in healthy ways. Because I myself was using very toxic means of coping mechanisms. Um, but along the way, I feel like I found a ton of good healthy ones. And so that's really what I share. Um, so that's basically to how I got to the mindset that I'm in. I included a deep dive with yoga as well, which was a dead end. And uh, when it comes to my training perspectives, it's basically what I learned not to do through bodybuilding and yoga and meshing the golden threads that actually work into that understanding. Mm, interesting. It's that's an awesome story, really, isn't it? And I think, you know, 
it's funny, a lot of coaches I speak to, I've got a really interesting story and have, have had those kind of lulls, those lows, whether it be through injury or through this kind of a social setting or family background. And I think from my perspective, for sure, you know, in order to be a good coach, you need to have done the inner work, absolutely vital to, to progressing through and, and being able to, to then, you know, share that with your clients and, and develop strategies that will work for them. And it's that relationship, isn't it? Building that relationship and understanding where the position they're coming from. Um, and yeah, absolutely. You've been there. So what, what have been kind of, you know, you discussed some of the, some of the kind of things that happened to you and, and, and the, 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 the things that, perhaps haven't worked and the mistakes what what have what have really what have you been able to thread together and build into what you what you consider the tools of your trade now as a coach well i i approach things from a foundational level because i think i know i've gotten way far ahead of myself when it comes to uh things that i've tried to do to to make something work and so I feel like really the tools that I share physically is that the body, if we're training the body, it's responding by how we do it, not what we're doing or how much we're doing. And so physically, if we have a deeper awareness of any given movement, that's physical intelligence. So being able to feel the muscles, feel the points of contact where the weight is shifting from. So, you know, that's basically what yoga taught me. Bodybuilding taught me strength. Yoga taught me awareness. So I combined those two things. And so physically, you know, my definition of strength is a human being's giving capacity to withstand or adapt to internal or external stressors. So that's what I consider strength. So physical strength would be an external stressor. Mm -hmm. And so how can we not only be strong in particular settings like a gym workout, but how can we be strong from all angles physically, um, from everything to how we place our body, how we're aware of our posture, how movements or positions affect our mind and our emotions you know a, a depressed person is going to have a collapsed chest and a collapsed chest can very well make a person depressed and so our physical body just really connects to everything and so that's the foundation that i really start with because the physical body is tangible um, you know it's slow but the results are very obvious uh, mental and emotional growth foundations can be a little bit trickier and because the body gets us more awareness, the body then starts to inform the mental and the emotional part. So I feel like that's a great place to start with people because it's the most understandable. It's the most tangible. Uh, yeah, I'll let you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that, that holistic approach um, is, is, is the, yeah, the foundational work is absolutely required. And I think certainly sounds like similar in, in in our younger days you kind of skip straight past that and you just kind of you, you you cling on to like these these dogmatic approaches these paradigms that, that are still very widespread um and people you know still see see kind of this iconic way of doing something and, and i think human brains naturally um 
sort of latches on to those 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 kind of paradigms and wants a very simple solution without really doing the deep work and the thinking and 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 what you're talking about which is raising raising your awareness whether it be physically or mentally or you know emotionally um and that's yeah you can't you can't escape that really um how do you how do you kind of pull at the thread when you when you're when you're working with someone then to 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 help them to understand that so uh, one thing that popped out to me about what you said was how the mind likes to attach to these things, um, these dogmatic approaches, right? Dogmatic approaches are going to be rigid belief-based systems that are based more on an ideology than an experience. And so that's where I go with the mindset approach where, you know, it's very helpful to know how our mind works. And that way we can know what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. So someone who attaches themselves to a dogmatic perspective, their mind doesn't want to let the identity die because they believe it's part of themselves, right? The belief has become stronger than the experience. An example with that was uh, my vegan journey. I did two years, totally plant-based. I needed it at the time, but I only needed it for nine months. You know, that was my detox period from all the bodybuilding crap I did. Um, so I definitely needed it, but I stood in it for, you know, one year and three months too long. And by the end of that, what I realized was that my belief about my system of eating had become overpowered to my actual physical experience of my body. So to, to start breaking down that dogmatic attachment, we just have to accept that when we're making changes, our body's not going to want to um, comply because it thinks it's dying from our, our mental connection to it. So if we can just understand that and begin to dissolve that, like the depth of that attachment, then we could slowly and surely make progress because, you know, change is difficult, it's complex, and growth is not linear. So that, that kind of just starts giving it the room and the space to dissolve. So the manifestation of the thought, right? Like I want to stop smoking cigarettes versus I'm a cigarette smoker. You know, that's a battle that basically goes on between our minds identities. So uh, just having a, a broader understanding of that and, and the internal conversation can really help uh, facilitate change along with those physical practices. So that's how I would approach that. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Really, really articulate answer. And, and, yeah, unpicking that that fundamental identity that we we kind of carry through, um, and so what what do you if we talk more about the kind of the, the the world that we live in what what do you see as kind of the challenges to to kind of getting people to raise their awareness from a kind of market perspective what's going on out there in the market that you kind of are not that happy about that you don't like and and you think people need to move away from or to. Um. You know, what I see is that people listen to ideas more than actions. So, you know, McDonald's, I'm loving it. Um, Wendy's, always fresh, never frozen, right? So it's like we have, everything is being marketed to us, pharmaceutical commercials. Mm -hmm. They have a, a verbal word that is saying, um, you know, this can cause this, that, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 reactions. And then in the background, you have a completely different thing. You have a story of a happy grandpa holding his grandson. You have, um, you know, uh, 
a man who's embracing his woman on an erectile dysfunction commercial, you know? So it's like people are just being manipulated and um, like purely manipulated. I believe, I truly believe that if people have the information and an applicable approach to this information of health, um, you know, they would make different choices. And so people can really only do what, what they have with what choices are available to them. You know, it's a learning curve to discover new choices and to like make that a skill. But in the beginning, we can't really expect that that's how it's going to work because um, in the beginning of any journey, we're naive. We don't know. So we just look around and, and find what works. Um, but there's always help out there. And so that's really what I want to be to people. Um, and so what I see is just misinformation that's being believed too deeply, um, that's being bought into too deeply. People go into GNC to lose weight, but they're not looking at the water they drink. They're not looking at um, their lifestyle. They're not looking at their stressors from work or from relationship or from family or from wherever it might be. Um, so it's just this isolated, contained, misinformed approach to what we think health is as a culture um, because of the way that we've been manipulated, really. And it's a big unlearning curve. But, you know, if we could just accept that we have been lied to, just like we can accept hey, I'm going to have to die as a person, as who I think I am in my mind to change, you know, then it's just easy. You could start, oh, McDonald's makes me feel like shit, but I'm loving it. Okay, maybe I should just stop there. Simple decision. You know, you don't have to go crazy, but just, again, introducing more awareness and allowing that to unfold organically in the, in the client or the person that I'm speaking to or, or whoever is listening to this right now. Yeah, and I, f- f- yeah, and, and threaded in there somewhere is is kind of the trust issue, isn't it? Isn't it? So I, I think. But, Could you expand on that? Well, what 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 I see is, you know, we're all on this, we're all in this human, having this human experience, and we're all on this journey. But innately, I think people need to trust their own inner inner voice, inner feelings, and we're so detached from that that we are looking for an external um, external trigger or an external um, source that we can latch onto and, and just follow around as opposed to kind of sitting and doing the deep work that I mentioned earlier and, and actually building trust internally and, and, and unlearning what's been kind of, you know, given to us for our whole lives and the societal norms. And, and that's like, without, you know, I don't want to get on my, on my soapbox, but um, I guess that's what this platform is. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but for, for me, it's that trust, that internal trust. And I think it's, it's a real challenge coming from a coaching perspective to say, okay, well, um, you, you, you know, a part of what we need to go through is you trusting in, in what I'm telling you around raising your own awareness, but a part of it is building your own t- trust and your own independence and, um, uh, not, not kind of giving away your, you know, your agency, I love that. Um, I think, yeah, I'll piggyback on that trust because what came up for me there was how, uh, and this is definitely a part of my approach to physical training. Um, a lot of people don't trust their bodies because of what they've been told. And so that's like a fundamental issue that will translate into everything that's more complex than that. You know, if, let's, let's take someone who is uncoordinated every step that they take on a physiological level, this might not be a conscious thought, but their body is worried because the weight displacement is off because the bones are, are articulating in ways that are 
creating tension or rubbing against themselves or whatever it is. Um, so, so I think trust is so huge. And if we could really trust our bodies, we could start moving them in, and using them in ways that create a deeper connection to it where, you know, we can feel a little more balanced in our body. That means we can notice more balance around us. So yeah, yeah. just beginning with trusting our, ourselves really. Yeah. <laughs> like you were saying. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, the, the, the challenge I think, and, and, you know, that's where, you know, our voices, we need to, we need, we need to put the work in from, and, in this space is because the market forces don't it's, it's not aligned to, to what's going on out on there you can't market sitting and trusting your own voice and and not be not buying into the next best thing really i think that's that's the biggest challenge that i see yeah yeah it's um you know keep coming back for more <laughs> exactly yeah we we're, need we're, you to keep coming back so we're gonna market it to you so you can do it that's, yeah, I heard a re- I heard a really interesting uh, quote the other day that um, I'll probably butcher it now, um, but it, it, it was along the lines of you know if 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 a pill makes you if a pill can solve your illness, why why do you need a repeat prescription? Yeah, or or that's really with anything. Um, for me, I, I, I from my injuries, I had all these back problems, all these hip problems and stuff. And yoga, this is my, this is my gripe with yoga is that every day, like a prescription pill, I had to wake up and perform a certain amount of things or exercises or positions or breathing practices to get to zero, to get to start, to get to go. It was like this ongoing physical process of depleting myself and then feeling like I needed something to fix it. Just like that pill. Um, that someone would go to a pharmacy for. Um, so that's been kind of my experience of that. Uh, same thing with bodybuilding, you know, just repeating something that's not working is insanity. And uh, tying it all back into the mindset, you know, we have to pay more attention to our experience. Yeah, I think our belief. That's, that's a really interesting point that you make there because I think everyone sees yoga as kind of this spiritual way to, to, to do some good to yourself. But then the way you phrased it, which is I think the way lots of people interpret it there, is no different to, to taking a pill or, you know, it's just, a, you know, maybe it's a healthier option, but the, the system, the programming is still there. You're still following that programming and, and ultimately to get, to get a true result, you need to, you need to deprogram, you need to, to unwind, unlearn. Yeah. Um, and it's a very rigid system, especially if you follow it strictly. Um, you know, I was trained in a more traditional sense and I think that's a large part of what saved me because I didn't go after these aggressive, uh, classes or variations. Cause those are just wrecking people, hot yoga, Bikram yoga, wrecking people, wrecking people, mm-hmm. you know, you get dehydrated out of shape people who are hungover and they know that sweat can get it out of them. And so they're going to go take the most complex, intense hot <laughs> dehydrating <laughs> class with someone who's pushing them past their limits you know i've seen this before so many times and people just aren't talking about this shit. it's wrecking people yeah physically and then you know we're living in a dehydrated society period you know there's a fraction of the world that is aware of you know actually clean water what it takes to get it and actually be hydrated and what that feels like so um yeah, I got I got some gripes with yoga. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> After so, a few years going into it deeply. 
and and I think yeah the, the you know like you said right at the start is that the, the foundational movement work and the awareness and people people being able to move well um, but everyone wants to fast forward don't they and, and kind of lift the heavy weights or do do the do the more complex stuff when they don't they, they don't have that body awareness that ability to move really well therefore well, I think sorry okay um, no I think that that comes from a sense of just like what people perceive as important when it comes to fitness. Um, and so that's really what it looks like in the mirror for most people. So that's where like the awareness part of it actually isn't even a choice for them because of the intention behind it. You know, someone who's looking to reflect better in the mirror or reflect better to whoever's looking at them, which we're all mirrors of each other. Right. Um, you know, that drive is going to, at some point, come to a detriment to the other things because it's the awareness around it is just too hyper-focused on one part of the experience. And it's the minority of the experience because the spiritual, mental, and emotional parts, that's three to one, mm-hmm. right? So it's like we're outweighing our conscious energy and focusing it into something that's going to be sucking from all the other ones. So if people just started to look at fitness and our body as our representative, which is the way that I describe it. Like, I don't need to look at someone for more than a second to understand a foundational level of their health because we represent our physical health. People can feel it. People can see it. Uh, Some people might be intimidated by it. Some people might be inspired by it. But physical presence, healthy presence is something that doesn't need words. And that's why I love fitness so much is because physical education and and like physical intelligence if you know what to look for you can actually see it but knowing what you're looking for is why you're looking for it and how you're looking at it so we just focus too much on what's in the mirror really in my opinion so if people just started viewing fitness as something more holistic you know then you then you have four things working in synergy um which is really my kind of umbrella definition of health um, mm-hmm. That was one of your questions that you had sent me. So I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll jump to it. Um, so synergy, right? A lot of people are working in disharmony, unharmonious ways with themselves. Different systems aren't functioning together. And so when we're healthy, we're synergized within. So we have our systems working separately, but to create a larger, more amplified whole. And then on top of that, that's our relationships. That's our friendships. That's our approach to work. So when we're in synergy within, we're in synergy without. And that leaves room for disharmony too. So it's like we're not seeking perfection in health. We're seeking synergy because that leaves space to move in a different direction if you need to. Um, And that freedom that comes from that, right? Like not doing a diet um, or following a particular dogmatic, rigid approach, you know, when we're actually synergized with ourselves, we're hearing that voice from within, we're listening to it, we're following it, we're taking action on it, then our health, our vitality as a whole is going to skyrocket because we're not just trying to do it for one reason or, or something, you know, base. It's, it's, we're doing it to harmonize our entire life. Um, Not just to lose weight, not just to gain muscle, not just to have better sex because you think you're going to get better sex because you have a better body. You know, it's all these little drives just take away from that. So, so synergizing is really my definition of health. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Um, you put, put a lot of thought into that. And I, I, so what, what you mentioned it, so you can go again with the four areas that you think um, it breaks down into. Uh, yeah. So, so I've basically created a idea that it's physical first, mm-hmm. mental second, emotional third, and then spiritual is a byproduct of health. So our physical health is foundational. Our mental health is our kind of guiding force. And then our emotional experience is the combination between the first two. So if there's some breaking up along the way, then one or the other or all three or all four are going to be in disharmony. So I start with physical health, physical intelligence. That would be things like clean water, um, foods with one ingredient that you know, preferably grown by someone locally because any non-certified but treated certified organic um, local produce is going to be far better than whatever the hell you're buying at Whole Foods or wherever. Um, so, so simple, right? These are foundational things. You know, I could buy the same bunch of lettuce on Long Island, New York, as I can buy at the Whole Foods in Sedona, Arizona, as the Whole Foods in Hawaii. You know, there's a problem with that. Just because it's a vegetable doesn't mean it's good. So, so local sourced food always, clean water, movement, um, you know, mitigation of stress realizing uh, just how stressful our fucking environment is right now and honoring that. Like, you know, a lot of people don't understand their physiology enough to, to understand the environment that we're in. All of the non-native electromagnetic frequencies. If you have a weak body, you're going to be far more susceptible to these things. Uh, blue lights, it's going to mess up your sleep if you're not getting the right vitamins in your eyes to actually maintain health. Um, so there's just all these different connections. Um, but really looking at uh, physical health from a holistic point in that way, where it's just the foundations. You know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. We don't need a, a fucking study for one molecule that's based on one person's perspective of a funded agenda. You know, we just need simple, applicable choices to actually be healthy. All the other shit could be just frilly fun things on the side, supplementation and you know, maybe you want to grow muscle faster or whatever. You could, you could play around with it, but the foundation has to be there physically. Uh, mentally, you know, mental nutrition is our information that we take in. So just like we eat food, we consume information. We consume information through our eyes so much so that they are right underneath our brain right? Like these are the things that we, we understand our environment with primarily at least. And so it's, it's said to be 75% of our reality is our eyes. So, uh, looking at the world with tense eyes in front of screens, stressed out, um, it really changes how, how we see things. And so our mindset is going to be based on a lot of what we're looking at because it's just the way we process that. You know, so if I'm watching the news, which one has manipulative language with pitch and tone to invoke experience, to invoke emotion, you know, you're looking at a bright blue light and you're sitting sedentarily. So you're in this ripe state to just absorb information. And so that becomes a thought without your uh, gatekeeper in the way, right? So our gatekeepers are choices of what information we choose to take in mentally. And so 
uh, mental nutrition is really a decision-based thing where it's like you have to just choose more times than not to be mindless in your informational choices. Um, you know, instead of watching the news, go read a book on a topic that interests you. That's actually more relative to your life than any shit you'll find on the TV. Um, so, you know, changing our, our um, priorities around the information we take in would be the foundation for mental health or mental nutrition and the, the way that I break it down. Now, emotional health is when those two things are aligned. Our physical body is like the carrier of emotion, right? We feel things in our body, but our mind also creates a story around that feeling. And so a perfect example, uh, we can kind of tie this into some stuff I'd really love to talk about later, but that would be anger in men. So I feel like anger for me, that's the emotion I know best. Me and anger, we have hung out for a long, long time and we really know each other well. And so <laughs> what I've discovered through that process is that anger for men would be a blanket emotion for different things that are sensations in their body, but the story that it creates in their mind is so confusing that it pisses them off and it comes out as anger, comes out as frustration, comes out as aggressive projective behavior and <clears throat> the way we can start to mesh the two together so they start working synergistically is starting to feel into the actual sensation of something as opposed to the story it tells us so um to give a story about that i would say that um let's say i am let me try and word this good. I guess I could just tie that back to my, my vegan journey. Um, so physically I was feeling like crap mentally. I was like, no animals are bad. Um, this is not okay with me. And so the story got mixed up. And so emotionally I was a wreck. Basically I was all over the place um, because those two things were so opposite of each other. So if you start aligning your physical body, if you start paying attention to the sensation of the body, so instead of saying I'm angry, you can say I'm feeling like my gut is being turned with a paint mixer. Like that's the feeling of anger. The story of anger is I'm pissed off at you um, to your girlfriend or your wife or, or, or you know, friends, whatever it is. So, so what is the feeling that's coming up as opposed to the story that's coming up? So that's how we align physical and mental, physical, the sensation, mental, the story, align those two things to actually find some true emotional information and emotional intelligence. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, you, I think, yeah, the anger, I mean, we can dive straight into the, to the, to the anger stuff um, and, and kind of maybe thread it back through to kind of being a dad. I'm, I'm a new dad as well and how it all kind of builds into what, what, what what happens for when we look forward um in our lives but i think touching on what you're saying right at the end there I'm, I'm i'm the same you know anger and blame anger and blame anger and blame whenever things aren't going my way or things get in, in the way of what i want to achieve however small it might be um around the house or, or much bigger things as well it's, it's kind of the same knee-jerk reaction uh, 
Um, and there's so many layers to that, you know, so many, again, programming, conditioning layered to it. Um, and, and, you know, I guess there's a primordial um, security blanket there to kind of, you know, to responding to threats, but it, it just gets so confused in this web that you, you create this, this kind of mess. Yeah. And I think that we've also confused what an actual threat is in our modern world. And we, we perceive too many different things as threats when they're really just conversations that could be had instead. But again, that takes, you know, a level of intelligence within your body to see that happening in the moment because that's your least likely thing to do, you know? So you have to like dissect, Oh, this is what's happening as my knee jerk reaction. Like you said, and I know this knee jerk reaction. So what's behind that behind that is the awareness for you to actually do something different. Even if that's as simple as like taking a shorter period of time to like recoil back to normal from that takeover kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for sharing that because you know, I think one thing that men are really missing in their health is that uh, camaraderie around sharing experience and particularly in fatherhood, there's this kind of carry everything on my own shoulders mindset that uh, can come along. And, and ever since we had my son, um, who's now about 15 months old, uh, I've just noticed how important it is for me to have powerful connections with other men and how um, nourishing that is to my mental health. So, you know, mental health to tie back into it is also relational health um, and how we interact with each other. And, and that brings healthy emotions and that affects the body in a positive way. Um, and then really spirituality to kind of tie up those four um, pieces of my approach to holistic health. Um, you know, that's the byproduct of healthy relationships. We're relational beings. And so if we, don't have healthy relations, then our spiritual nutrition is going to suffer. And um, the more we clean ourselves up, the cleaner those um, relations will become naturally because we, we move towards what we are like in a lot of ways. And so our spiritual nutrition is, as I said, a byproduct of mental, emotional, and physical intelligence. And that can arise spontaneously too. I think a big issue with what a lot of people are going through is we're all seeking for, for something, for grace, for, for saving, for peace, for forgiveness. Uh, a lot of us are, and a lot of us have been raised in spiritual boxes, basically, whether that was a religion or maybe whatever it was that maybe you didn't like that your parents raised you with, like whatever it is, we're all, we all have this natural drive to connect to things, but, um, my approach leaves that for freedom. You know, uh, who am I to tell someone how to connect to God other than to connect to God, <laughs> you know, and whatever that is for them. So physical, mental, and emotional health are the foundation of that, whatever that's going to uniquely express as the individual that um, follows these kinds of approaches. Cool. And so go, going back to the thread that, I, that you wanted to talk about. So men's, health and well-being obviously it's a focus for us and and i think you're absolutely right having me sharing connections and understanding at a deeper level and making an emotional connection with another guy is something that i've chat i've been challenged with growing up you know um very machismo view of the world and seeking to 
be seen as a kind of alpha and, and kind of whatever that means and, and not dealing with fear appropriately, I think is, is kind of in there in the mix in a big way. Um, and then the outlet of anger as well. So, so kind of what, how do you see this fitting in? So what is it that, what, how is anger, which piece of the puzzle is anger and how does it connect? Um, you're saying which piece of the, the four parts of holistic health is it from? No, 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 no. So which, how, how does it fit into kind of our, our, our as guys, our, our general health and wellbeing and, and, you know, why is it a crutch that we're using? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we're using it because that's what we've been shown. You know, for most men, you know, you asked me the unique part about the thirties to forties range of men. I would even include twenties into this. Um, a lot of our fathers were from that kind of harsh war era of, you know, sucking down your feelings, being stoic in an unhealthy way, in an apathetic way, emotionally, like not stoic in a healthy way where you can really move through things from center, but in a way that you're just not present emotionally, you're not available emotionally. And you might notice this, uh, do you have a boy or a girl? Boy. Oh, okay. So yeah, we could definitely relate. How old is he? He's eight months now. Oh, wow. So you're a little bit behind me. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Um, a lot of people say like that, like enjoy this time before they start walking. Um, if you appreciate movement, uh, you probably realize your son is like an, a beautiful case study of, of human evolution and how we should be moving. You know, we don't have to teach our kids anything about movement. Um, side note. Um, but to, to tie that back into anger, what I'm noticing is, you know, up until a certain age, I believe it's two children. So like the, the no age, once they start hitting the no time in their life, up until that point, they are in mirroring mode. So anything we say does not matter. Everything we do completely matters. And I see so much in my son, his reactions as I see myself reacting now. So he's a mirror to reflect my reactions because he will react in how he sees. So, so that's a big mirror for me. And, you know, I have done a ton of work with anger. Me five years ago would be in my current situation as a new father and everything, a complete mess, like complete mess. And so, like you said, as minimal as these things may have become to us where we've really uh, grown and done that work to not let those explosions happen, you know, but where there may be little puffs and they, they can settle and, and be smoothed, um, we have to realize that. And, and what I'm noticing is my son will react in anger when he thinks he did something wrong. So, so that's his kind of like... Like he'll just make a big action to get attention if something didn't go his way. Is that similar for you and your son? Well, I guess, um, yeah. Wait, not yet, not yet, yet. not yet. <laughs> so I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I realized that to tie all of this together, because that's how he's reacting to me, that's exactly how I would react to an apathetic father figure. So like that tantrum moment where it's like, you're about to explode as a kid. And oftentimes they do explode. Um, I was certainly very explosive. It was just like, I needed to try to make this much of a gesture in order to just like knock at the door of his emotions. 
And I had to meet him there basically. Mm. And so that's the test as father son dynamic in particular. I think that's the test that a lot of these guys in this age group, 20 to 40 are really dealing with. And um, I don't know about you. uh, This might happen as your son gets more um, relational where he can start saying things and preferring things. Um, You know, we might just realize that um, we are saying the things that our dad said to us in that exact moment of time. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Like I hear my pop's fucking voice in my head, like so crystal clear in a way that I've never heard it before because I was never in his position. And so this is like my cycle of childhood from the other vantage point. And uh, a man that I, I know, he's a relationship coach. He, he has a belief and, and an idea that to the T, we are repeating cycles. Archetypally, it does not have to be exact. It's a matter of our self-growth. But there are people who are certainly repeating the exact same cycle as their parents. And that's a really sad thing because there's no uh, autonomy in that, you know? And, and so that's, that's been the biggest thing that I see as a root of anger, where it actually comes from, is that apathetic father figure or the disciplinary in a always negative way, um, not constructive, but destructive criticism, and really not having that camaraderie that actually creates a healthy man. Um, so, so I think that's the foundation of men's anger in our age group, really. Wow. Okay. It's not something I've, I've kind of pondered much, but, um, but I, yeah, I think it's interesting, interesting topic to get into. Um, and I, I yeah, I can, I can relate completely in terms of kind of that. Well, I mean, my situation sounds a little bit different. So I didn't have much of a father figure growing up. So I didn't, I kind of, I guess I was always uh, had that gap um, mm. to, 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 to try and, and I think that's maybe why I had so much, uh, kind of pent up, um, desire to be, um, accepted in society as a man, as a true mm. man, as an, as an alpha, because, because of that gap there. And, and, but yeah, I think that the, 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 the and, and also it kind of feels like a physiological default. It's just like, if, you know, you go, you go to, um, response to everything is just to get angry and, and create that tension. Yeah, I could, um, I could imagine that you uh, not having a father figure would generate a lot of anger. Um, and, and just, so what would you say? My question would be like, what, what became your father figure? What was that thing? Um, other than the, the, like what you would have received as being seen as that, but like what became that actual driver for you? Um, probably a number of different things. So, uh, my best mate's father, um, became kind of like this iconic character to live up to, but never quite made it. I would say the, the sports became a big, big part of my being accepted into society. And then the military, you know, filled that. Oh, gap. wow. Yeah. So How that, were you in the uh, military? Uh, six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think that's, um, that's a whole <laughs> other world to be in, man. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, you, you get these, you get lots of people with these kind of quite interesting uh, childhoods going in down that road because they want to mm. seek this, the, this attachment, this, this association to something that they, that they were lacking. And I really do see that a lot. Um, for sure. For sure. For yeah. Sure. And, and it's also, I, th- I think it really does attract a lot of the people who, who want to be of service to the world and, and in a way that 
um, is that kind of masculine driver, um, like fight for something, you know, like, so that's, that, that definitely would attract that kind of thing. Um, I feel like the father figure has been, been pretty crushed. Um, I like you had commented on that post that I made. Um, yeah. I, I really feel like it's been systematically, uh, crushed to, to create a weakness because, you know, a strong man can, can really do things and, and one committed to his family is, is a powerful thing. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think we vilified a version of it that, that yeah. is, is the one you're talking about from maybe our fathers and, and kind of this, this historic um, mythical kind of alpha or, or whatever it might be. And, and it's been vilified so much so that there's now a massive gap, which I think is what you're alluding to. Yeah, and I think our work in this uh, time frame is to to start melding those two because one thing that I think is also uh, probably an unpopular opinion about anger is that it's a healthy emotion. It is a healthy emotional response for a man to get angry. Um, it's it's a large connection to their passion. I think angry men are some of the most passionate men if they were to channel that in a healthy way, and so not only have we vilified like the that kind of toxic version of a father figure that's like i was saying hypercritical um, intense negative judgmental apathetic we've also vilified the the traits that are natural but just expressed in an unhealthy way through that figure so you know anger is often either expressed or repressed not like felt you know, even like just because we're expressing something does not mean we're feeling it. I think a lot of people, I know I was, are, are really disconnected to the actual sensation of it, which is why it just comes out as this projection. Yeah, and and we're not we're not we're not good at certainly guys. Uh, we're not good at making the connection with our emotions. We just they just fly through, and then you try and flip back to whatever was going on before and, and there's no pause to actually say, you know, what are these feelings? Why are they coming up? And, and that process just doesn't happen in my experience. Yeah. I think we just haven't been educated in how to do so really. Um, you know, we get taught what to think, not how to think we get sold what to feel, not how to feel. Um, so, so my approach is really about the how with people because the how is always more important than the what. So, so how can I create that intelligence in a way that um, gives me that processing time in the moment, you know? Um, and that, that really takes body awareness, I think, because like I said, the sensation is in the body. You know, and that disconnect where the, the processing doesn't happen, it goes straight from uncomfortable feeling to projected emotion. You know, there's, there's none of that processing where it's like, this is uncomfortable. This is what I'm feeling. This is how it is, how it's affecting the people around me and the environment. And here's my action. You know, there's not that processing part of it. So how, how do we do that? We learn how to feel the thing. And feeling is physical, which means I can't tell you how to do it. <laughs> I can show you how to do it. I can give you techniques on how to do it in your body, given a certain movement and a certain awareness. 
but that's where um, I think I think that's where the gap is. Yeah, I I I think you're you're bang on the money, Edward. You really are. And uh, like, I'm, I'm <laughs> so many questions are flowing off, and feel like we're going on a bit of a tangent. I would want to bring it back to kind of yeah. um, try and try and circle back round to to fit health and fitness specifically with um, your. We've talked a lot about your approach and your view, and it's, and you articulate yourself so well. And and we've gone on a bit of a deep dive and kind of into the psychology aspect of it and the the, the mental and emotional side of it, which is fascinating. And I think will will bring real value and 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 really encourage people to do the deeper work because that's that's where the results are had. And I you know fundamentally believe that. So I just wanted to acknowledge you and and what you've said and and that aspect of it. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> and so but you know we, we we're all on this journey and uh you know you, you've been on a a journey that you've been describing to us you know experimenting with different things and and you know uh, now i see some of the work that you're doing with some of the functional patterns and the, and the rope um flows and so how like give us a bit of an insight in kind of what you're up to now in terms of your movement practices and, and what you believe is, 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 is working for you. And if you can thread that into how someone might, 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 might go on their own journey of discovery. Sure. Um, you know, as I mentioned, my movement background was bodybuilding and yoga deeply for, you know, 14 years or so total of practice and application. Um, with that, I now currently have a pure drive to just experience my body move gracefully through space. So that, that's the intention behind it for me is um, how can I more efficiently move my body? Not how much more weight can I add, how heavy of a rope I can flow with. Uh, it's all about awareness, really. And rehabilitation, a lot of my practice is therapeutic. Um, as I mentioned, I messed my body up. Like every joint, left side of my body, I've had to rehabilitate pretty much from nothing, from something that would dislocate over my head every time or couldn't bear weight every step I took. So lots of therapeutic approaches, um, which I really believe what happens with injury is uh, we lose sensation because of the trauma to the area. And so I go into hyper-focused isometric tension into particular areas that I feel are shut off. So a lot of my practice is isometric currently. And then a lot of the other stuff, because the isometric is so activating, I would call it an activation, mm -hmm. that when I hit the rope flow, I'm unified. My body feels complete. Um, I could feel the rope in my big toe. I can feel the rope in my head. I can feel the rope around my body. And so um, proprioceptive practice, gait training, um, like I said, those activations have been really huge in my rehabilitative practices. And then I also love messing around with hand balancing. So I'll, I'll get on the handstand canes and, and practice some handstands maybe 40 minutes a week or something. That was, that was a, a bigger desire at one point in my life. So it's just for fun now. Um, but I would say 90% of my programming for myself is, is really just in a, a strengthening therapeutic lens through those modalities I described. Cool. And, and what, what advice would you give someone on their own journey as to how to, to kind of where to start and, you know, what to experiment with? And Yeah. Um, you know, drop every belief 
that you have about what you're doing and actually feel into your body. Is there pain? Is there inflammation? Is there uh, some kind of a reaction that it doesn't sit right with you or doesn't feel good with you? And, you know, if that is the case, if you're feeling some kind of a regression of energy, a regression of sensation or feeling, if it's leaving you more numb or more pain, then open yourself up to just move your body in a way that feels good. So without any thought, without any program, without any instruction, just close your eyes and move your body on the floor in a standing position. Find whatever you need to feel. So from wherever you're starting at, it's, it's really just bringing a more awareness into your body to see where you're at. So take your work out and turn it into a work in, you know? Um, and even if that means you want to continue what you're doing currently, like if you want to keep doing conventional training, go ahead, but make it more of a work in, you know, see how it feels when you don't push after numbers or results and you push after sensation and you, your, your movement approach becomes more sensation oriented as opposed to results oriented um, or what it's perceived as. So, so that main switch either through your own freedom of movement, like I was mentioning through a brand new patterning or a brand new thing that you've never tried, like whatever it is, just seek more awareness and change it up. You know, changing it up is simple. It's simple. You can find it out there. You just got to believe that it might work for you. Like, so, so don't, don't just not try it because it's new or it doesn't make sense to you. You know, it might be exactly what you need. I mean, that's really just what it's been for me is, is progressively just figuring it out. Doesn't work dead end, make a turn, figure it out. doesn't work dead end. And so just constant refinement until you actually find what works for you. And so um, I like to provide shortcuts for people <laughs> with that. And so that's where, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me and things like that is, has been my main focus lately. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you, I, I can only imagine you, you, you add massive value to, to the guys that work with you based on this conversation and everything that I've seen you do, um, on your Instagram Thank you very much. And, and, and everything else. And you've got your own podcast that you've recently launched, I believe. Yeah. You know, I started it, um, and then it kind of fell off for a little bit and, and now I'm just doing it at my own pace. As you know, you know, time as a new dad is, quite slim and, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, spent much more doing for others than, than maybe for ourselves. So, uh, so yeah, I'm just going at it with my own pace with that. Yeah. I find I'm finding that like best laid plans of mice and men, you might, you might have a plan to do something and in either, either, um, things get in the way or you're so tired that your brain's just not working <laughs> and therefore you've got to kind of, you've got to adapt really and, and kind of work out what's going to, what's going to work for you. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a big learning process for sure. Cool. Uh, my final question, Edward, um, what are you excited about now? What, what we know where, where to next for you? Oh, I, I actually, you know, all of this is in divine timing, Nick. Um, I, you are a huge affirmation to, a lot of the work that I've been doing. So I would, I want to take a moment to just thank you very much and uh, super grateful for you bringing me on and seeing me. Um, so, so thank you for that, Nick. Um, some exciting things that I would love to share is that me and a good brother of mine from New York who has been into men's work for quite some time, a few years now, we're launching a 12 week modern man mastermind course. 
uh, starts September 1st. Enrollment will begin this Friday. And uh, that's going to be an amazing course. It's really just designed to teach men of our time in our situations of physical, mental, and emotional intelligence that you know helps us thrive, gets us to that place of autonomy and strength from within so we could be the modern man really holding integral value in our society, in our families, in our relationships. Oh, sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and then the rope, the rope thing, I'm coming out with uh, a rope flow foundations course because that is essentially the foundation of all of my physical training for myself and also clients. So that's like, you're working with me, you're getting a rope between your hands. So I'm, I'm creating a, an online course for that as well. Um, and then just being a dad, man, you know, watching my son grow every day astounds me. It excites me. It challenges me in ways that uh, make me a much better human being. So, so I, I'm excited every day to just see him and, and, and be with him and, and my fiance and my family. Wicked. That's fantastic. Um, and why the, so what, what's, what is it about the rope flow? That's the cornerstone of your practice. So for me in the, 15 years of training that I've been in and um, pursued deeply in whatever I was doing, the rope is a patterning device. And that's super important because a lot of us are functioning on very painful, dysfunctional patterns that our body is used to moving in. Mm -hmm. So uh, ways that would promote people being out of balance, um, ways that would promote spines to be in pain, which causes organs to be in pain, which causes emotions to be in pain. So <clears throat> the rope is a reset button basically for the body. And the reason being, uh, I'll break it down to two reasons. So if we think about our hands, they're open circuits, I call them. Our feet is a closed circuit because the ground is always between them when we're on two feet. So the rope connecting the two hands closes the circuitry of the body. So what that does is it allows your energy production to continually flow within you without it having to be released or let out. Because anything I do with my right arm, that force, that translation goes through the rope into my left hand, and then that's a receiving part of it. So there's a giving and a receiving that's constantly happening hand-to-hand, pattern-to-pattern. And that in itself is a work in it produces more energy than a workout right you go to your, the gym and you burn yourself out on some heavy squats you are gassed you're tapped the rope it meets you where you're at so if you're having a sluggish day you just get on that and you slow flow and in 20 minutes you are going to be mentally balanced you're going to be emotionally centered and physically you're going to be tapped in a really awesome part about the rope is it works with the hemispheres of the brain in ways that really no other tool does. So our hands are the most important motor connection to our brain. And our opposite hands are connected to opposite sides of the brain. So every time you cross your right hand, which is activating your left brain across to the left side of your body, while the left hand is doing something else and moving across, you're firing all of this real estate in your brain. And you're saying, Left hemisphere, right hemisphere, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, left twist, right twist, up, down. So it's, it's creating this very harmonious back and forth connection between the hemispheres of the brain, which produces a natural flow state, a natural meditative state, 
um, and those places where you can really just like get insights, get downloads, all while repatterning your nervous system to walk better, move better, run better, sit up better, lay down on the floor better. And it teaches your body rhythm uh, with movement too. So it's just this multi-dimensional tool that's so fucking simple, like so simple. And that's why I use it as the foundation for any of my clients because it gets them that physical intelligence that I need them to understand in order to have that impact mentally and emotionally. Boom. I love it. Yeah. You better, send me, <laughs> you better sign me up. I'm sold. Um, and yeah, it, it makes t- so much sense. And the, the work in concept I've heard from Paul check and, and, and the yes, lo- that's, that's where I found it from. He's been a big inspiration. Certainly. And I think what I love about this, this platform and, and having conversations with, with the likes of you, Edward is, is I'm, I'm speaking to a true practitioner. Um, and what I'm, what I mean there is it's not, we, we're not, we're not talking about a, a subject that we've read up on or even studied or researched and written papers on, you know, we, we're talking to someone who, um, understands that the theory has made an emotional connection as it and and is practicing um so that there's there's like the word you used is synergy between all those and i think that is for me there is such a discourse coming from a clinical background as well such a discourse in the healthcare system between this kind of this doctor expert um conundrum that we've created this this kind of this this circular system where you know we're, we're relying on science to produce answers to questions um, and then we get caught in this theoretical loop and we just don't have enough practitioners in the world yeah i agree practitioner is a great word because it's the the er is the person and what they're doing is practicing and that's that's how i view my my trade really you know i you can't lie to me if you don't move your body, like I, I'll see it. And, and that's, that's where physical education, you know, David Weck talks about this all the time. It doesn't need words. And so my distinction that I like to make with people is really understanding the difference between a mentor and a teacher to, to piggyback on your point. Um, the mentor, and, and this is my mantra with mentorship really is I share what I do and I do what I share. So I teach, from experience. That's the only depth that I can give a person. Um, I can give someone information, but that's not truth. That's, that's ideas. You know, they can, they might not be true um, because I haven't applied them. I haven't tested them out too long. And so that's where I really appreciate the word mentorship far more because that's the person in the trenches. That's the person who did the thing, who got to the place from that place you might be at now. And uh, the beauty with fitness is, you know, we get to help you. I, your background's so different than mine. My background's so different. But at the same time, we have a common goal. And so we can really impact such wide varieties of people, you know. And, and that, is, um, that comes from being that person in the past, not just reading about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're having these conversations and we're making these connections um, on, on what I like to think is a, on, on, a, on a different plane. Uh, we're connecting on, on a higher plane. And because but, 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 of our backgrounds being different, we're attracting different people. So 
that we're sharing their experience with a much wider wider audience and i think that's that's the beauty of it and that's that's why i you know i never see um, a conversation with a coach or someone in the fitness space as anything competitive because you know the world needs practitioners um, the world needs people to be thinking about body awareness about mental and emotional connection to, to how we move and how we live um, much more than it needs you know the next pill the next research paper the next phd the next doctor yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think um, something you touched upon there that's really important is uh, in our healing process, finding that uniqueness about us that we can then build centered confidence off of. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I'm not in competition with you, but I'm in synergy with you because we're moving in the same direction. And if we could connect and resonate, then even better, because then it's like you said, it spreads it wider, spreads it differently. Um, you know, I don't expect everyone to agree with me. I hope people don't agree with me because that means they're thinking for themselves. And so that's, that's really what I I appreciate. And that's what I try and do, particularly with coaching, because, um, you know, I, at some point, don't want you to be my client anymore. (laughs) I don't want to be the prescription, you know, I want to, I want to really share the tools that will actually give you the person seeking this thing, the tools to just do the self-discovery because that's the beauty in it. Not, not following anything farther than it's less you than, than more you, you know? So like, we're all going to buy into different things. We're all going to figure it out. I'm inspired by so many different people and I try it, but I'll just let it fade to the side if it's no longer working for me. So, so learning that process, you know, being okay with detaching and, and just, being okay with being unique, being okay with changing, being okay with being something that you've never been before. Cause that's the only way you're going to get to that place. Edward, first time I've ever spoken to you and it feels like, yeah, I love this. (laughs) feels like I've known you for 20 years, man. It really does. I love it. Yeah. I've been finding, you know, I actually tuned into one of your podcasts. I think it was um, the foot collective guy, Nick, I think his name. And you were saying how, uh, just how beautiful the connections can really become over the internet. Um, and I think it's because we're both on that wavelength of just sharing and service and, and it's a beautiful thing to connect on. And, and my favorite part about podcasting actually, Nick, is doing this, is seeing someone from afar, feeling it out, inviting them on. And then maybe it's the first time we've ever spoken. I'm challenged to, to keep a conversation going and make yeah. it interesting and pull <laughs> stuff out. You know, it, it's a, it's a growth edge for me. And so that's actually a large reason why I do my podcasting too. Me too. Me too. That's and I've awesome. ne- <laughs> exactly the same for me. And I've never been that comfortable with public speaking, but mm. you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm driven, um, to, to, to get my message out there. And that, that means I have to overcome these barriers. And I also think that's a massive element of growth in there and, and ability to kind of, to, to, to be that version of, of, of myself that I want to be and getting my message out there and, and overcoming these challenges, these kind of little narratives inside these stories we tell ourselves around, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that, you know, and, and putting it aside. So it's, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's, it's a wicked way to kind of push yourself because you don't know how the conversation is going to go. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, um, and, and it is a challenge. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, man. The, those emotions, those <laughs> feelings that come up of, of nervousness or excitement or whatever it is, like I was saying, those, those are the things that I'm like, oh, I'm alive today. I'm, I'm being challenged today. I'm, yeah. I'm doing something uh, out of my norm, which means I'm growing. 
you know, so, so feeling that embracement of, of those feelings and not running away from them. It, that, that's where, you know, people who really are living their passion, they're having fun. You know, uh, have you ever heard of a man named Daniel Eisenman? No. He wrote the book Breaking Normal. No. You got to get, I'll, I'll put you in touch with him. He's, okay. he's a, one of the most unique individuals. And basically he teaches people the how of finding that uniqueness. So I think you'll love um, what he's, what he's doing. Um, but he says a fun, comfortable. So, so fun, comfortable conversation, fun, comfortable choices where things that are discomforting things that are pushing that boundary, pushing that edge, you know, literally just adding an F so we can say, fuck it. And we make it fun. And we actually enjoy growing into that new person, that, that unknown part. So I really love, I love a lot of his concepts. You'll, he's, he's had a huge impact on me. So I'm sure you'll, you'll love talking to him. I'll check it out. Definitely. Well, I, yeah, it's been awesome speaking to you. Let's, uh, let's uh, just hear from you kind of where we can connect um, and where we can hear more about the rope work and, and the, 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 the men's uh, men's course, men, men work course that you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that course will be open for enrollment this Friday. Uh, everything that is mine, you could find at etstrength.com. And for the course itself, it'll be slash MMMC. So Modern Man Mastermind course is what that abbreviation will be for. Uh, I also have my podcast. You can find that on my website. Uh, the ropes will be available next week, next Friday. The course will be there. And it will be basically the foundations of the patterns that you do and also um, my perspectives on it, the how to approach it. Cool. So everything's on etstrength.com and on Instagram, which is my most used social platform is at Edward period choice, T R O I S E. You, like underscore. Is that what you mean? No, dot. Uh, no, it's, a, it's actually a dot. dot, period. dot yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So uh, yeah, you, 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 you for, for a podcaster, you, you, you screwed up the evergreen aspect of the podcast, but um, just so everyone knows, so you're talking about the 17th of July, 2020 is when uh, the ropes, uh, sorry, the, op- the enrollment will go f- through for the mastermind. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Let me, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I don't have my calendar in front of me. <laughs> that's cool. Friday 17th for anyone that's listening. If that date is, is now and you're listening to this um, in, in sequence, then, crack on and get some more information about Edward's course going on. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Um, yes. Friday, the 17th of July. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> no I worries. I really appreciate that. Right. Edward, it, it's been a blessing to have this conversation. It really has. I feel super energized and oh, awesome. And like, 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 um, so many good podcasters, you, you, you kind of, the way you articulate yourself is incredible and you've got me really thinking about lots of different things. I've got a page of notes to go. Oh, go awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy. And, um, I, I will hopefully um, get you on for a round two and we'll deep dive into, uh, you know, any other, other aspects that you're kind of clearly, clearly, um, a practitioner and, and an authority on, but yeah, thank you very much, Edward. Yeah, thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you on the other side of growth for the next time. (laughs) Awesome, man. Thank you very much.
There we go, another episode in a bag. Um, that was a really wild ride for me, uh, chatting through with Edward about all the components that you guys uh, heard about there, really. And, and, and um, yeah, if you haven't got spinning, if your head's not spinning and, and got you questioning kind of what you're up to and and um, what you're thinking about, then clearly we're, we're, we're on a different page. But um, yeah, my head is, is reeling and I'm really intrigued to kind of go and look in more and, and really think more about that conversation and, and kind of dive deeper, uh, as is my, my kind of journey through health and fitness. Um, guys, I really appreciate, appreciate you listening and tuning in and subscribing. So please um, leave us a review on iTunes or whatever app you, you're using to, to listen to this. Um, it is greatly appreciated. And that's kind of the reciprocation that, um, that I would really value in terms of the effort that I've gone to put this together. So thank you very much for, for all your support. And please give us some feedback. Let us know who you want on and... Uh, what topics you want me to go over and, and chat about and what's important to you and how I can add more value. It's been awesome uh, delivering this to you so far and I'm going to continue, so don't worry about that. Uh, I will see you on the next one.